and welcome, mansters and ghouls, to So You Think You Can Frighten. I'm your host, Sergio, and here with me today are my very, very, very spooky friends, Kybert, Matt, Michael Eaton, oh, yeah, no, and Jacob, aka Greg Tudley. What I have brought to the class for today is mm-hmm. SCP Anthology. Um, if 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 our viewers remember from a bajillion years ago when we had a lock on twice in a in a row, I think it was. Um, he told us that we were that he was doing SCP Anthology, a thirty-one day event where people would be posting horror SCPs based on a slightly modified alphabet to uh, fill in thirty-one days. And I have one that I actually helped edit a little bit. Uh, this is SCP-7091, B is for Bloodborne by Marcel's D. Reigns, also known as Mars in the uh, SCP IRC chat, who gaslit me for several months saying that he just, oh, couldn't finish this uh, this project he was working on. He had to just keep adding stuff to it. So there's some uh, there's some dialogue Damn. in here. We'll give you when we get to them. Uh, Matt, <laughs> uh, I think you should take us away with... Uh, the description and con procs with uh with with my with my thing with my thing yes okay okay hmm bloodborne yes yes yeah like the game like the, the like the, oh, the PlayStation oh, the, oh, the Four game. from software oh, the game. game bloodborne <gasps> oh the game that's that not have, on PC and will never come to PC playing. for the rest of eternity I've been playing bloodborne it's fun born all right. <clears throat> Exploration of SCP-7091 is forbidden following following the conclusion of the Prometheus mission due to the unpredictable nature of SCP-7091-1. While standard precautions for anomalous biohazardous substances have been modified for the safety of Foundation employees, the perpetually evolving molecular alterations of SCP-7091-1 continued to present a threat to biological organisms and inorganic matter. All artifacts and materials collected during the Prometheus mission are to remain within a cryogenic, hermetically sealed, subterranean vault beneath Site-82. This vault may only be accessed by automata, which have been programmed to conduct research and experiments remotely. Once research has been concluded, the automata are to relocate to the incinerator, which has been constructed in close proximity to the vault, and activate the machine from within. The ashes are to be examined at a safe distance by Foundation personnel in Class II hazmat suits for SCP-7091-1 particulate, and if no particulate is present, integrated into the Earth. Should SCP-7091-1 remain in any capacity in the ashes, the incinerator is to be activated again, and remain active until the particulate is eradicated. Personnel found to contain the instance of 7091 are to be terminated remotely and subjected to the same processes as the automata assigned to this object. Astronomical reports that suggest the existence of SCP-7091 by civilian scientists are to be discredited, and the astronomers are to be administered Type B amnestics. Research into constructing a shield that obstructs SCP-7091 from all angles on Earth is ongoing. I have to blow my nose. Feel free to say something for about two minutes. Bear back. 
All right, Matt's blowing his nose. We have two minutes. Um. God, I love men. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Bloodborne, the PlayStation 4 game by From Software that came out in 2015? I, I've never played I've a never From played Software that. game and sentence. I don't have a PlayStation. You... <laughs> this is hard, okay? <laughs> I've been playing Bloodborne. We're going to get the J- Jake Bloodborne talk for the next two minutes. So Jake Facts. Jake Facts. Dun, 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 dun. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty fun. Um, I beat the first two bosses pretty easily. Um, I haven't found a weapon that I like yet, other than the default starting axe, because it has really big, wide-sweeping attacks, and all the other weapons I get just don't feel as fun to use. I like that the weapons can transform when you press L1. Um, that's cool. Matt needs an additional minute so I can keep talking. Uh, Elden Ring trained me to use Y as my interact button, or triangle for you PlayStation gamers. Um, and it's, it it hurts my brain because in every other FromSoftware game, apparently, because I've only ever played Elden Ring, it's X on every other game. So I keep wasting my healing items because it's, it's Y to heal in Bloodborne. Because I keep trying to pick things up, and I just spam Y. And then I use, like, four healing items, and then I cry. Because those are really hard to get. Can't you just, like, I... rebind your controllers? On a contr- on, a, on a PlayStation game? No. Because they hate me. And I, they think uh... I'm racist. I feel like there's a what? way to do that Sam. in the controller settings. Um, to switch it around. I'm, I'm sure there is, but I'll just get used to it. Isn't I think Bloodborne like... just... Gothic horror, Dark Souls. Oh, yeah, um, but there's some differences. Monster Hunter Frontier okay. did that to me, um, by switching me over to the the Japanese way of uh, X is back and Circle is select. Because I went to go back to I'm play Tales to get... of Arise and was so fucked up because I was on Monster Hunter. I'm Frontier. used to that from. Uh, I'm used to that from fucking. Uh... Playing Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix on my PC. I mean, um, <clears throat> on a Japanese PlayStation 2. Um, I got used to that. It was weird because it was circle to attack and X to jump. That's what, instead that's... of X to attack and circle to jump. But I feel like if it felt better after playing, weirdly enough. Because like my thumb like rested on circle and then I could just move it to jump instead of my my thumb resting on X to attack. And then having to move over to jump. Yeah, it's it's just, but, um, it's just like when the when, when the muscle memory like resets. Like, yeah. Basically, the difference between between Elden El, Elden Souls and Bloodborne is that well, in the the Souls games and Elden Ring, your healing item is like a dedicated item you have that restocks every time you hit a bonfire. Um, healing items are consumables in in Bloodborne, so you have to like collect them. Um, it's goth. It's like Lovecraftian gothic, uh, like Victorian horror, which is cool. Um, the weapons can transform. There's a, instead of it being one handle weapon, two handle weapon. Um, when you two handle weapon, it transforms into something else. So like, if you one hand one of the starting items, it's a saw, like a like kind of like a hatchet. But if you two hand it, it becomes a spear, and it's cool. Yeah, if you one hand your dick, you get just the shaft. But if you two hand it, you get the dick and balls. Yeah, like that. 
You also get a gun. There's a gun in, in, in Bloodborne. However, it's not it's not for shooting things. They give um, you a gun not to shoot things? Yeah, it does like two damage when you hit people with it because it's 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 the parry. Instead of you parrying with a shield, you parry with a gun. So when they attack you, you can you can parry from far away, which is cool. Um but it's like you just you just shoot and then they get parried and you can crit them. Um which is it's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm stuck on a boss right now. And I use all my healing items on it, so I have to like grind. I have this grinding area to get bullets and because you have to have bullets to get bullets and healing items. Um, so I've just been running in circles for like thirty minutes. That's fair. That's um, fair. but it's it's fun. Um, also instead of having a bonfire where you like you level up at the bonfire and it just pulls up a menu, um, it just it just like transports you to another world, which is cool. It kind of it doesn't really have menus. It's kind of like Fable Three, honestly. If you've played Fable Three, I have not. Um, Fable Three got rid of all of its menus. There's no menu. There there are a few menus in Bloodborne, like you know, there's like the inventory menu, but that's really it. Like you're talking it, about menus in Bloodborne, Jesus Christ! Yeah, you've been gone for a long time. I I've just been rambling about Bloodborne. I'm sorry, yeah. my mom told, forcefully conscripted me into learning about a story of one of her friends uh, who's deathly allergic to gluten, almost dying because the because company that made her Benadryl pills started putting gluten in the case. They put gluten in that bitch. Yeah, I was talking about how, how Bloodborne is like Fable 3. Huh. With that's, the menus. Instead of, you, instead a, of a bonfire taking you to a menu, it takes you to a, uh, it takes you to like a little hunter, a hunter's dream where you have to mm-hmm. talk to a Talk to a like a doll woman and she levels you up, and you can like buy the items in like an item shop, and you can upgrade your items at a workbench, and then you but can you, you at least equip different items while you're not in the in the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. only the only menu is the inventory item screen, and there's no from what I can tell, there's no visible weight. There's no weight like there is in Dark Souls and Elden Ring, where you like if you have too many things equipped, you just like fat roll. Um. Hmm. You just kind of, you just kind of have a gun. You shoot okay. people. I mean, yeah, that's um, fair. And that's my Elden Ring review um, from beating two bosses in Elden Ring. Very based, thank you. And the Bloodborne, not Elden Ring, Bloodborne. I don't know how many times I've said Elden Ring instead of Bloodborne in that rant, but I meant Bloodborne every time. <laughs> I wasn't really paying. I was just, I was just talking. I was just making <laughs> words come out because I had to stall for Matt. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, good job. Thank you if you're listening. Thank you for listening to my Bloodborne rant. Um, All right. <clears throat> Description: SCP-7091 is a Dyson sphere located at coordinates redacted in the Andromeda Galaxy, 1.865 million light years from Earth. Despite measuring 15% smaller than Sol, the star contained by SCP-7091 produces approximately 1.23 times 10 to the 35 joules per 24-hour period, roughly the same amount of energy that Sol produces every year. This energy is siphoned off by SCP-7091 via solar arrays and transferred directly to the fourth planet in its solar system, named Crystallia B by Foundation Astronomers. SCP-7091 is tidally locked with Crystallia B, although How this is possible, given the distance and relative size difference between the two celestial objects, 
is unknown. The surface of Crystallia B is hypothesized to have been overtaken and altered by the abundance of SCP-7091-1. This hypothesis is supported by the ruins of a now-collapsed spacefaring civilization on Crystallia B. Due to the high concentration of Dash-1 instances on the planet's surface and moons, a thorough investigation into the remnants of this society is not possible at this time. SCP-7091-1 is a telepathic parasitic black mold. Instances of Dash-1 cause cells to regenerate exponentially faster than normal while also removing all motor control and autonomous bodily function in infected sapient organisms. This process does not affect higher cognition, however. It is also capable of combining atoms of organic matter to inorganic matter, as well as combining the atoms of inorganic matter with other inorganic matter if allowed to propagate unabated. I think Sergio and I both at the same time just had a science not right moment, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Did we? Uh, Did Adam, we? when you get down to the at- atomic level, there's not organic and inorganic. It's, it's yeah, just Yeah, I had a not right moment. Imagine oh, being yeah, smart yeah, enough to yeah, pick that, up yeah, that. Yeah, that, that is true. I was not thinking about that. Yep. I don't think at all. Damn. I will downvote. I will leave a downvote with an angry comment. Exploration. An artificial construct orbiting within Crystallia B's Roche limit was discovered to have minimal amounts of SCP-797091-1 present on its surface and within its docking port. The minimal amount of the instance's particulate was per- within acceptable risk parameters outlined by the Ethics Committee. On June 8, 2087, an expedition to the artificial construct, dubbed the Prometheus Mission, was propo- proposed by the Anomalous Astronomical Division and later approved by the O5 Council. A three-person team of interstellar exploration veterans was dispatched to investigate the structure. Lucy Cabot, Nathaniel Burr, and Jasmine Gibson volunteered for the anthropological mission, having all participated in deep space explorations into ancient megastructures over the last decade. They each were outfitted in Class II hazmat suits, which were worn underneath their space flight suits, and a gun that fired both incendiary and ballistic rounds. Their primary objective was to investigate the artificial construct under the assumption that, due to the relatively trace presence of the instances of Dash-1, they would be able to find living members of Crystallia B's inhabitants or non-contaminated objects they left behind for study. Using an experimental warp drive reverse-engineered from Sarian technology, the Foundation was able to transport Cabot, Burr, and Gibson at speeds faster than light to Crystallia B. Is that Crystallia Beta? That just occurred to me. It's probably Beta, isn't it? I think it might just be B. It doesn't look like a beta. It looks like a B to me. Yeah, that's fair. After a short recovery period, to prevent deceleration sickness, the team disembarked the vessel and entered the artificial construct through the open port. Prometheus Mission Log .01 The following recording was transmitted from the team's mounted body cameras to the ship, where it was relayed to Foundation Headquarters and then summarily read by So You Think You Can Fanon, where they had a deathmatch to see who besides Matt would read it. Uh, well, Matt can, can handle it. narration. I'll be Lucy Cabo. Uh, I say Jake will be Nathaniel Burr, and Kai, you can be Jasmine Gibson. Say Cabo? Cabo, yes. The T is not Cab- pronounced. No, you're wrong. The, the T is silent in that name. You're silent. Cabot. Cabot. 
No, it's cat. Isn't Someone, it please. It's it's. I'm pretty sure no. it's French. I'm pretty sure it's Cabot. Cabot. I'm pretty sure it's There's Cabot. There's a YouTube also. video that proves me yes. right. Matt, Matt agrees with me, which well, means uh, I'm right. Of course, YouTube is smart. No, it's not. Cabo yeah. <laughs> is of French origin, so you're not supposed to I don't to give a fuck about the French. I don't give a shit about the I French. I actively want to up. insult the French. Cabot, 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 Cabot. Anyways. <clears throat> Fallout 4 told me it was Cabot, and Fallout 4 would never like me. <laughs> Uh, this is Lucille Cabo of the Prometheus mission with our field report. We have de-warped from hyperspeed about two Earth hours ago and are approaching the station orbiting Crystallia B. Time is time now is approximately 200 hours. The artificial megastructure can be observed through the window of the vessel. The construct is large enough that its entire length cannot be viewed without panning the viewport camera. It appears to be constructed of a metal alloy with various seams where additional metal plates were welded to the structure after its initial completion. Several grooves can be observed on the exterior, forming paths and patterns that resemble triangles. Orange lights can be seen emanating from within. At the top of the structure is a device resembling an antenna with a blinking red light at the end of it. Looks like someone's home, Captain. I'm picking up a ton of organisms on the inside. Could be uninfected life forms from Castelia B, or maybe some. Uh, I can't. Sorry, Sor- collective. collective. No, my problem is I can't see the second word because my mouse covers it up. It's Sarian Collective. Is the Sarian Collective remnants. Hmm. Run a deep scan of the area in range of 5,000 kilometers. Check for Saurian scouting ships. Frigates. The works. On it. Burr activates the vessel's exterior sensors, inputting the range suggested by Cabot. The sensor takes several minutes to compute. Once it completed its task, 14 darker green circles indicating the presence of vehicles that are clustered together can be seen on the screen on the exterior of the structure. Several dozen smaller clusters suggesting the presence of organisms can be observed within the artificial structure as well, although they are stationary. Got something. A lot of somethings, actually. Sensors picking up Sarayan ships, but they're way too close together. What do you mean? I mean, there's no less than 14 SC ships coinciding with one another in almost the exact same space while also somehow still being distinct objects. And... And they're expanding? Growing? Metal doesn't move like that. The scanner isn't malfunctioning. Perhaps this is a previously unobserved anomaly. Could be. I also ran a diagnosis for local Hume levels. Everything about the Sarayan ship meets our expectations of their tech. The only anomalous things I saw about that cluster of ships is the presence of SCP-791-1. They seem to be growing almost organically, too, kind of like a flower. Can we dock on that side? Negative. There's too much SCP-791-1. We're going to have to try port side. I thought the Anomalous Astrological Division cleared that station. Base is a little less than two light years away. I'm not surprised. Oh, shut up, bitch. Base is a little less than two light years away. I'm not sure they missed the cluster of ships or the SCP-7091-1 on the starboard side. Burr, bring her in. 
The vessel approaches the portside docking bay of the artificial structure. The bay door is slightly ajar and off the tracks, and SCP-7091-1 can be observed from the viewport camera. From the other side of the bay door, a small segment of a Sarain ship can be observed. The ship's nose is protruding into the bay door, connecting the two via strands of SCP-7091-1. It sounds a manual override. Gibson enters several keystrokes on the vessel's primary data pad, and after several minutes, she is able to remotely access the artificial structure's mainframe. She presses a few buttons, but none are able to control the bay door mechanism. She turns dials on the screen, and the bay door begins to open, albeit with difficulty. After approximately one minute, the bay door mechanism experiences a mechanical malfunction and breaks off its hinges, allowing for both the door and the Sarayan ship to float into space. Well, that was unexpected. My apologies. Any port in a storm? Right, Nate? Strap in, folks. Burr brings the vessel inside, and after Gibson activates and closes the emergency doors to the structure's hangar, he powers down the vessel. The team disembarks, pistols drawn and flashlights active. The interior of the structure appears abandoned. Large crates of what appear to be rations and medical supplies can be seen strewn about the floor haphazardly. There are two large, space-faring frigates present, both coated in a thick layer of rust and SCP-7091-1 particulate. From the ceiling hang strands of interwoven Dash-1 matter, resembling cobwebs. These strands reach from the ceiling to the wall, where they can be observed descending to the floor, similar to tree roots. Within the strands, in between the wall and the leftmost frigate, emaciated humanoid cadavers can be seen fused to the floor. The upper dermal layer of the cadavers has been integrated with Dash-1, leaving the remainder of exposed dermal tissue black. What can be seen of the cadavers shows that they possessed long limbs, approximately twice as long as an average human's. The heads are bulbous and enlarged, although whether this is a result of the Dash-1 instance's infection affecting necrosis or the natural shape of the organisms is unknown. The heads that are the least altered possess four eyes, a larger pair near the top of the head, and a smaller subset on the sides of the skull. The eyes of these organisms are glossed over, suggesting their cessation of life. However, when Cabot shines her flashlight on them, the eyes can be seen tracking the light. What do you make of this? Bodies must still have some neural activity going on, given the physiological response. Beyond poking them with a stick, though, I can't tell you if the infected are still alive or not. Gibson overrides a mechanism on the hangar bay, moving a pillar-like object along a track that was obstructed by the SCP-7091-1 web. The strands snap, allowing for the humanoid organisms to collapse onto the floor in front of her. Several organisms groan, while others begin speaking in cryic, albeit with obvious strained difficulty. Can you translate, Gibson? <clears throat> I am a tad out of practice with the old extrasolar dialects, but, hmm, looks like three words. Consume, expand, and grow. I'm not sure if that is them talking or the SCP, however. Regardless, 
It didn't. It looks like they didn't get very far. Doubtful. The hulls of these ships are too shot for deep space. Plus, I don't see any repair tools or automatons <clears throat> nearby. They're probably marooned here. A crashing sound is heard from deeper within the artificial structure. The team members raise their weapons as Cabot approaches the door leading to the interior. She looks through the glass viewport, and upon determining it safe to progress, activates a keypad on the side of the door, opening it. The door attempts to slide upward, but the girders are obstructed. Gears churn, and the door eventually snaps off its railing, falling backward. It lands away from Cabot and making considerable amounts of noise. Cabot motions for Gibson and Burr to follow. The team makes their way through a triangular corridor. The presence of the Dash 1 instances has diminished significantly from the hangar and is barely visible from the team's perspective. Sigils resembling Kraik are visible on the walls, hastily written, judging by the quality of the writing. Gibson? Something about a spread? This character is typically associated with infection or mold. Perhaps a warning about SCP-7091-1 infection? A warning? Seems a little late for that, don't you think? It's not for them. It's for us. Should we press on, Cap? Burr, this is a horror movie. We have to press on. Affirmative. <laughs> Prometheus Mission Log 02 The following footage resumes after the team traversed through the space station. During the intermittent period of the last log and the beginning of the subsequent one, no dialogue was spoken, and observations were consistent with what was already discovered, hence its exclusion from this document. Relevant footage resumes at the entrance to an antechamber. Camera pans, revealing a large sliding door covered in the Dash 1 mold, which has formed into vine-like structures. Cabot attempts to access the door via the control panel on the right side of it. Despite a green light activating, Indicating a successful connection, the door remains sealed. Blast it? I'm leaning that way, but I think we should exhaust our other options first. We don't know how SCP-7091-1 will react to live rounds. Incendiary might do the trick, but again, can't know for certain. Ignited mold and ash could prove hazardous. Right. Maybe there's a weapon or a pipe or something around here we can pry it open with good thinking let's look around the team disperses while still remaining in visual contact with one another cabot examines a relatively small amalgamation of seared flesh and eyes that are bound together by the dash one mold the eyes track her but do not otherwise react to her light or any additional stimuli Cabot shines her light beyond the mass of the Dash 1 mold, revealing a corridor completely obstructed by mold and fused corpses. Gibson examines the ceiling, and from the ceiling hang loosely formed stalactites comprised of rotten corpses, relatively devoid of the Dash 1 mold. A piece of muscle matter drips from the stalactite and lands right in front of Gibson, who steps back to avoid residual splatter. At the base of the stalactites is a pattern of swirled flesh, that resembles a face, albeit the eyes are closed. The face extends from Gibson's position deeper into the space station, disappearing into the obstructed corridor. Burr rounds a stanchion-like structure with an active display atop it. The display has Dash 1 mold on approximately 50% of its surface, although Burr is still able to activate dials and buttons on its holographic surface unabated. At his meddling, 
lights within the area turn on, and a ventilation system can be heard activating. Think I got something, folks. Gibson and Kevin make their way over to Burr. Gibson moves to stand in his place in front of the display and begins reading the symbols that have appeared. Looks like some kind of emergency control mechanism. There's a note that said she points. That symbol means either backup or second. She points in another place. This one says entrance. Might open that door. Hmm. Hey, Michael, you want to read the log narrations? Sure. Don't want you to be left out. Go ahead and start no, up uh, right after Cabot no, opens no. the door. Or might okay. open that door. All right. Gibson turns the dial below the entrance signal. Seconds later, gears and other machinery can be heard turning. There's a loud stuttering sound as if the mechanism has become obstructed by a foreign object. Gibson turns a few more holographic dials, later confirm it to be her diverting more power to her mechanism from other areas in the space station. After approximately three minutes, the vine-like structure is preventing their access from the anti-chamber, uh, I guess anti-chamber, snap, and the doors open. Cabot, or Cabot, or whatever the fuck you want to pronounce it as. Pats Cabot. Gi- Join Team okay. Cabot. All right. Cabbage pats Gibson's shoulders and leads the team through the door to the antechamber. The floor is covered with SCP-7090-1 in far greater concentration than was previously observed. The texture of the mold makes the floor partially adhesive, hindering the team's movement slightly. As they progress through the antechamber, the vine-like structures begin to contract, closing the door behind them. Shit, Captain, we have a problem. We can worry about the door later. Do you still have your data pad? Yeah, I do, yeah. He checks it. There's two organisms a few meters ahead of us, right next to each other by the looks of it. Keep an eye out. Along the walls of the antechamber are metal plates twisted and reformed so that they barely resemble their original shapes. Spheres comprised of non-homogeneous metals and SCP-7090-1 levitate above short pillars of SCP-7091. 7090-1 arranged two row p- pillar uh two rows parallel to one another large display monitors are suspended at an angle from the ceiling displaying flashing sigils that read ship construction complete ready to launch at the far wall of the antechamber are two humanoid cadavers the bodies are approximately three meters tall and likely possessed a large amount of muscle mass judging by the patterns on their sl- on the slut eh. Slewing. Slewing. I don't give a shit about the pronunciation of things. King shit. S- you yeah. should. We're, we're a reading podcast. Slapping a skin read. that loosely resemble that of human muscle. Each cadaver has seven digits Ever. on each. Do, I, do you want me to read this thing or not? I could just toss it back to Matt. Well, it's important to say the correct words because, you know, the, the people can't see what the words are. All right. Each sadaver has seven digits on each hand and have a digit-grade foot structure. Although the cavadier on the left is missing one of its legs, the cavadiers appear to be embracing one another. One of the cavadiers turns its head towards the team and reaches its hand out. The mouth moves, allowing the cadaver to speak, 
although their speech is apparently impe- uh, impeded by the presence of SCP-7091 in their throat. It is hard to tell for certain. I think it might be hungry. Let's not give them more biofuel, huh? At the base of the Cavalier's feet is a journal, devoid of SCP-7090-1. Cabot examines the journal and, after confirming that SCP-7090-1 is not present within its pages or cover, encloses the journal in a biohazardous material transportation container. The ships were literally just a button away from launch, Cap. Jesus. God clearly did not have good plans for them. Spike didn't go home. We've done everything we need to do here. Copy. Copy. Recovered Scientific Journal. The following content was transcribed aboard the exploration team's vessel by the onboard AI and transmitted to Site 83 for analysis. Star date, Aramith 12th, Cycle 900. I cannot believe that it actually worked. Septimus and his legion of scientists have created a fully functioning solar siphoning machine, and now we can supply all of Crestenia with power until the star explodes two decillion years from now. May the moons bless us for eternity. What? Decillion years? What the fuck? He, he, I, th- I think this author did not look up how long stars go along for, because... <laughs> If your star that's blo- a lot longer. Yeah, if, if your star's gonna <laughs> blow up in five billion years, it's basically the same. Like it's basically like fucking like an infinity amount of time. If you've said like two decillion, mm-hmm. right? A problem persists now, though. We have conquered the star, bent the other twelve planets to our will, mapped out our galaxy to the smallest grain of sand on the smallest dwarf planet, but we are stranded. Maroon. A lifespan cannot withstand the sheer length of time it would take to travel even the short distance from our solar system to the next. If I were to board a ship right now, in my hundredth cycle around the sun, I would reach Saraminus as an old creation. My offspring would be well in their three hundreds, and their offspring would be preparing to have offspring of their own. This is not acceptable. I have brought this issue to Septimus's attention the other day. He seemed upset at this realization, but in turn offered me the opportunity to work directly under him on a solution. What great fortune he has bestowed upon me. I will not let him down. Together, we Kratians will conquer the universe. Stardate, Aramith 19th, Cycle 900. Uh, the conventional machination of the flesh has proven to increase the longevity of a normal Kratian by 15%. At the cost of routine maintenance and regular replacement of machine parts. A solution, for sure, but not a sustainable one. Eventually, all the raw material from our home and the other planets in our system will be depleted to sustain our population. We can find more elsewhere, but what happens when everything non-renewable runs out? Our species will perish, and it will be my fault. I cannot allow this. Septimus has assigned me a team of individuals I am unfamiliar with, Perhaps they were from one of the outworld colonies, or maybe from a moon I didn't know about. They're willing to work and do as they're told, so I suppose their origins don't really matter all that much, do they? One of them, a strange, tiny creature, partially composed of metamaterials named ALF, has suggested that we convert from standard mechanized components to biomechanical ones powered by the sun. I don't think it will bode well. Uh, but for the sake of the mission, I will test it. 
May the moons bless us, wayward explorers. I'll take the next one, Matt. Aramith. Oh, okay, go ahead. <clears throat> 45th Aramith, cycle 900. We have been diverting power from the sun to the biomechanical creations as described in Alps blueprints. So far, testing has been going well. Septimus is pleased as am I. We may have figured this out. Septimus has begun constructing deep space exploratory ships in the spaceship orbiting Christenia. He has plans for 14 teams of colonists to each take one ship and explore a different section of our galaxy, maybe even the ones outside the heliosphere. Our star maps are already full and beautiful of the worlds we have conquered. Imagine what they will look like when we have a legion of immortal explorers to constantly update them. It can hardly contain my excitement. I do wish I could join Septimus above the, aboard the space station, though. He says my place is here on Crestania, in the lab, working on a solution to ensure the perpetual survival of our species, but I miss his presence. I hope he comes to visit soon. May the moon guide us to immortality. Uh, who wants to take the next one? I, I Okay, Kai can. Stardate. First, Halith, Cycle 900. Yesterday, we began the spaceflight trial for the solar-powered biomechanical creations. All was well, at first, until they left Christenia's atmosphere. The raw, unfiltered solar radiation overflowed their mechanical parts, heating them up until the internal reactor couldn't withstand the heat. Every single one of them went critical and exploded before they could kiss the stars. I am a fool to have thought that the solution would be so simple. I mourn for the loss of my people, and I am ashamed to have disappointed Septimus. I cannot even blame Alf for this, as I am the one in charge of approving testing and researching means to our immortality i am a failure may the moons forgive us ambitious squalors i'll read the I'll next do. one too okay stardate third halo cycle 950 50 cycles have passed and we are no closer to a solution to, to mortality than when we started i fear that hope may be lost alf has been a tremendous help to my plight but they too are lost 45 cycles ago, when we began experimenting by modifying the genetic code of newly hatched creations, isolating the gene sequence that is responsible for our inevitable, uh, inevitable biodegradation and removing it. The children appeared normal at first. They aged and developed quicker than one would expect with their metamorphosis occurring during their 30th cycle as opposed to their mid-70s. However, despite essentially removing death from their genomes, each child experienced rapid cellular de degradation at 42. None from our trial made it to see their 45th cycle. I'm heartbroken. Never in all my years did I think myself a child murderer. Septimus took a short reprieve from ship construction to deal with the parents himself. I never saw any of them again. Alf assures me that we are approaching a breakthrough. I hope they're right. I wish I didn't have to make these sacrifices, but it has become clear that I can no longer avoid them. This is for the greater good. Let's, uh, let's let Jacob have one, huh? Okay, I'll take two, I guess. Start at 14th Air Myth, cycle 1075. I am 275 today. I felt a kink in my bones for the first time today. I really am getting old. Alf and I unleashed a modified strain of the Xanthon virus on a small group of Kratians about a hundred cycles ago. The same one that killed the Sarian Collective all those years ago. The modifications are difficult to make, and a stable, albeit non-lethal strain of the Xanthon virus proved even more taxing on us. But it was made, and now it is done, 
The older creation succumbed to the expected symptoms, violent coughing, slowing of the skin, loss of extremities, but the younger ones appeared to have an innate inoculation against our little virus. At first, they were unaffected, but as the cycles passed and they grew older, they did not show any signs of visible age or degradation. Their skin was as smooth as the day they completed metamorphosis. They were agile, alert, quick to react. Unlike me, that is. This was it. The solution we've been looking for. I cannot wait to bring Septimus the news. May the moons bring his joy for eternity to come. Stardate. 30th. Aramith. Cycle 1075. Septimus has completed tens of, quote-unquote, his proposed fleet. I say, quote-unquote, his, because in truth, the ships are just repurposed Syrian transportation vessels he'd found abandoned on the dark side of Crescentia. Crestenia. Still, who am I to discredit his work? Alpha and I brought one of the infected creations with us to show him. My dog is barking, so sorry. They have proven immune to solar radiation, and this one in particular seemed to actually favor space travel. Septimus is pleased with our work. I was pleased with our work. When we returned to the infected to Christenia, however, it began to de- decompose almost immediately. It complained of headaches, body soreness. It felt like its organs were being crushed under the gravity of our planet. All the symptoms of lethal depressurization sickness. I'm confused. Why was this happening so long after we disembarked? It does not make any sense. For all intents and purposes, those infected with the modified Xanthon virus were not able to leave Crescenia or any planet and return without disastrous consequences. This is a massive setback for certain, but one we can recover from. I am close to a breakthrough. May the moons provide guidance in our feeble pursuit. Hmm. One more, Sergio. And Michael, do you want to read some or do you want to, to go back to me after that? I mean, it's, it's totally fine either way. Okay. Go ahead, Serge. Fourth Haleth, cycle 1214. Septimus grows old as the last of his ships near completion. I too am getting on in my years. I should have offspring by now. They too should be rearing the next generation of creations to life. And yet here I am with Alf stuck in the confines of this infernal laboratory, trying to understand why I cannot release us from the vines of mortality. I am 314 and I have accomplished nothing. 16th Aramith, 1300. Hope to explore the galaxy and beyond has fallen in our people. Alf has become infected with some sort of fungal growth they encountered while scrounging the caves for new test subjects. We've all but been abandoned at this point. When I walk through town, they point and jeer at me, mocking me and my team for our failures. I should like to see any other creation suffer under the same pressure as I. They would crumble in twenty cycles, maybe less. I attempted to treat Alf with the remaining medical supplies at the lab, but every insertion I made sealed before I could extract the fungus. Remarkably, Alf claimed they felt well enough despite the obvious change to their physical appearance. Oh, I hope they aren't suffering from delirium. Septimus has been silent lately. I dare not approach him in the space station lest he too look at me the same way the Creotias down here do. I will find a solution for you, Septimus, or my name isn't Alenya. 14th Aleth, 1389. Elf does not age. What I thought to be fungus in their internal structure was actually mold, black in color, 
and alive. I had looked into their internal structure with their consent and found that all of Alf's organs, including those critical to survival, had simply died. They were overtaken by the mold and were now operating under its instruction. The body is dead, and yet Alf remains autonomous and of sound mind. Apart from a severe cough and the occasional expulsion of black liquid from their mouth, Alf is well. This is it. Tomorrow I will board a ship to the space station and bring Septimus the news myself. We are immortal at last. The mold does more than regenerate the body, as I have found out through observation. It adapts to the will of the host. Septimus and his construction crew have found renewed strength since their infection, and they're able to lift objects and metamaterials without machine assistance. Our food harvesters can collect raw materials swifter. Our physical champions can perform athletic feats significantly easier and with faster reaction time, and our scientists, including myself, have shown enhanced intelligence. This mold is truly a gift from the moons. Oh, I am grateful to Alf for discovering it. The ships are nearly completed, and soon we will be able to explore with undying bodies. I find it harder and harder to think of anything else. Perhaps I'm excited. Perhaps I'm obsessed. Either way, I cannot wait to see what will become of our exploration. The galaxy awaits. Should I just keep uh, reading the rest of them? What are you guys thinking? I'll take some. Okay. Go ahead. 40th Air Myth. 1450. My mind wanders sometimes. My thoughts are my own on most days, but every so often I find that I am absent from my body. It is as if my body is acting on its own accord in these moments when I'm not there, but I cannot confirm this on my own. Elf claims to have felt the same way. No one else that we've talked to has, though. Perhaps it is the stress of expansion, of growth, of the creation race that is getting to us. Every time we try to conduct tests on ourselves, though, we find that the same circumstances occur. Recording devices that we set up are dismantled at our hand. Outside observers lose interest and leave once testing begins. Septimus hasn't responded to my correspondence either. I wish to see him, but I cannot seem to enter a ship. I heard it today. The voice. It was telling me to grow. To expand. To consume. It is a guttural thing, one that stems from a place I do not wish to know of. My mind fights for control harder and harder with each passing cycle. There are days when I cannot see my environment, and all I see is the mold. I can feel it growing slowly in my internal anatomy. I can feel the fuzzy pricks of cilia behind my eyes and in my teeth and beneath my scales. I wanted to ask Alf if they felt the same symptoms as I, but all that came out of my mouth was growth. The creations look all the same now. Their eyes are pitch black and fuzzy. Their scales are made of cilia. Their bodies are made of mold. I can hear them talking to me, though their mouths do not move. They whisper into my ear about the darkness, about the hunger, about the spread. I do not want to go into that dark place. Do you want me to finish it off? Mm. I'm fine with that. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> mold spreads at alarming rates. It covers a quarter of the planet now. Septimus is building automatons to help pilot a ship into deep space. There are not enough of us to escape the mold. It will grow. It will spread. It will consume. There is no stopping it. 
We are immortal. We are one. My thoughts are hardly my own anymore. I can hear the thoughts of my people echoing in my mind more intensely now. It is overwhelming at times, but there are moments where their voices are quiet. It never stops, though. The voices, that is. They cry and blame me for their suffering in this collective consciousness. They want freedom. I cannot give them this. I am always hungry. Spreading. Infected on space station. My hands hurt. My mind hurts. Can't fight for control much longer. Septimus worries. I'm fine. I'm everything, everywhere, all at once. I am Christenia. I am the moon. I am myself. The hunger is excruciating. I am. I ate a creation. Absorbed their molded body into mine. I felt full. I must eat again. The spread. Growth. The universe is a morsel, and I am a predator. It awaits my consumption. I will eat the stars. I am in that dark place now. I can feel myself slipping deeper each day of each cycle that passes by. I can hardly form a thought outside of the hunger. I can hear a ship approaching. I do not recognize the design. Someone please save me. All is well. That is a very good ending. Yes. Yeah, I I liked it. I wasn't yeah, sold cool. on it until we got to these like logs from the the creations. Oh that was like the most compelling part for me. I will I will I will say though because that wasn't the original ending. Um there was originally okay. when it was first posted there was a there was a second part uh where after the astronauts came back um they had the mold with them. And then oh, it, that's what I figured. And, and then it ended with a picture of the Earth, um, completely infested with the mold, with the caption of "All is well." Um, mm. but yet, he, he, but he. I. Got... Hmm. I wish he would have added it. No, I'm against it. I think that it's. Good. I think that it, the way that it ended now was much better. I think I, the ambiguity I... of the current ending is cool. Yeah. I, I I I was very much against him changing it because the 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 picture that he had for the Earth infected with the mold was really cool and that just really like uh-huh. infected Earth all is well. I was like holy shit, but I I do like it in its current state. Um, I love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I love sci-fi horror, and I was a big fan of this. I think SCP authors need to lean harder into the into sci-fi. Because I feel like almost everybody uh-huh. tries to go like paranormal and like kind of like fantasy, but I, I mm. uh, especially like with this, like I really like this. I think this was really cool. Mm-hmm. I, th- I agree. I think, I think I this know. was good. What were you saying, Michael? I think that if I, I'm a little worried because uh, I I've been hurt, stung a little bit with the paranormal sci-fi sort of blend before. Because uh-huh. I I'm very vocal about how much I dislike Five Nights at Freddy's post FNAF four. I don't uh-huh. like the sort of sci fi direction that they went with Sister Location. I never liked the like the the fun time animatronics or whatever they're called. I really don't like it when that sort of happens. And I kind of I I'm a fan of sci fi being sprinkled in here and there. Um, like because SCP is a very flexible format. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried that if they push too hard into it, then it just becomes a generic sci-fi foundation. And I think that if they, I, just, I mean, which, well, this, I mean, this sort of counts as sci-fi regardless of if they go into space or not. 
like i i kind of like the paranormal aspect of uh scp a little bit more than the sci-fi aspect but that's like a personal thing for me i i mean i mean obviously it's like a mix of both it's sci-fi and paranormal but i mean like and just like some of just like the anomalies like let's have some scps in space or like like i mean they could go to another planet or like a space station encounter something magical i just mean like you know more kind of like the harder like sci-fi elements I think it's just because I was introduced to it. Like, let me use an example. That's a, I feel like it's a pretty good example. The legendary MonsterVerse started off pretty grounded. It was a little, it was, I mean, it was fan. It was like fantastical, like giant monsters living among us. But like, Sauce. you know, it was, it, it had that sort of grasp of a groundedness to sort of keep a level of like normality with it. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. I don't like the the later MonsterVerse movies, like Mechagodzilla and shit like that, because I wasn't that wasn't what I really signed up for with the MonsterVerse, and I really like the aspects of that old grounded MonsterVerse feel. That's where I sort of stand with SCP. Where it's like I'm fine with it in small doses, like Ghidorah being an alien. Yeah, I already knew that. I don't really care. Giant fucking mech. Yeah, no, I'm good. Hmm, that's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody, is. everybody's for everybody's free to do whatever they want on on this wiki, obviously. Um, but I, I, I do, um, because it does exist out there. Um, like I found, uh, there's a canon called. Uh, uh, let me make sure I'm getting his name right. Uh, Ad Astra per Aspera, which is a uh, like a space opera type canon, um, where in the future we uh slowly like spread out to the stars as you know shit goes wrong on earth and we develop like ftl travel and you know of course the foundation goes along with them and you have things like this um so i think there's a place there's a place for both but me personally i would like to see more sci-fi stuff because as i as i probably said on the podcast and to you guys aliens i want i want to see the scp authors takes on alien races which actually uh the sorry got aliens what I said you got aliens. This is about aliens. Yeah, and I, and I, I got yeah. my aliens, and I actually got uh, permission from Mars to use the Sarians for my own work. I know he said that they're oh. obliterated in his canon, but I I would like to explore explore a version where they're alive and they can help the Foundation out. Nice. Yeah, I like yeah. Uh, I like aliens too. Like I have my own sort of alien character and their whole uh, lore on their race and everything. Like I have a lot of details about them. Like oh, they're they're nocturnal and they live in this like tropical climate and they have a very, I wouldn't say primitive, but it's like a very, uh, it's, it's a very strength heavy sort of focus on their culture. And like, I like exploring that sort of thing, but it's like, I again, I, I rather have it in small doses. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I like exploring that shit. I think it's, it's fun to just explore fantastical world building because I eat world building up like breakfast, but I I do I do really want to see uh, SCP authors sort of I think it'd be fun to take a I'm not sh- I'm sure it's been done but like an alien invasion SCP would be kind of interesting mm-hmm. like a war of the worlds kind of thing yeah or yeah something like that just I'm sure that's something, been done yeah, I'm sure it has been done it's like we have Mothman and Bigfoot like of course it's out there but I think that there is a lot of things that you could do with aliens that doesn't necessarily involve uh, intergalactic travel to an extent yeah uh to put it back on topic with the scp itself i was gonna say um 
before Sergio brought up that the ending was different. It felt like once we hit the scientific journal, like it was a different SCP almost. Yeah, uh, it, was could, could, yeah. it was a little well, jarring. The, if I it, had any complaint, it's that it, it, I feel like it's a bit non-integrated at the moment. Well, I think it well, could have been a tale connected well, the, to the end. The, the, mm. the, the journal was a part of the original draft. It's just the, the all is well message wasn't there. Then there was the stuff about like it spreading on Earth. And then you have the picture with all is well. But and then he, that's where the all is well is. Yeah. yeah so basically okay. he, he cut out the original ending and then didn't tacked on the all is well. I, I see. I. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I like the journal. I like the. I mean, I like the way it's set up with the the exploration and then the journal. I think it really like, you know, sheds light on the horror of what you specifically saw like previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I I wish we could have the director's cut ending, um, in the actual SCP because I feel like it would tie it together a bit more. Like seeing the journal entries and then having us cut back to if, if you, our researchers and what's going on on earth if, if you if you do want to see the original draft at the bottom of the page if you hit history if you scroll all the way down to the like zeroth iteration and hit v you can see the original ending okay good to picture know. too where at so so scroll to the bottom of the page and do you see where it says history like where it says like rate tags and discuss Oh. Yeah, if you hit history hit and you scroll to down to the, the the first revision and you hit V, you can click to view it. Earth.png, I need to see this one now. Yeah, unfortunately the image is broken. Because it's oh, yeah, it says oh, I see that. I think the uh I think that the way that it could have been handled a little bit more is or like because I, I do agree that the journal feels out of place, but if it was removed, the story wouldn't flow as well. Yeah. I think it wouldn't really have like an ending. It would just be sort well, of. Well, you would just need more exploration. Like yeah, there would that's just be more point. depth on the the actual <laughs> exploration. I'm not saying that the I, journal should be removed. I'm just saying it's it's integrated in a way that doesn't really conclude the first half. It's just sort of its yes. own half of the of I the SCP. Like it could have. I, I I do think the explore like everything feels essential, but I do feel like the there there probably could have been a better transition from the journal and the exploration just because i i do think that oh uh if you guys click this link know. this is the picture for the earth okay better be dope as hell oh that is kind of cool yeah i i like that anyone who knows me knows the, my, my two favorite genres come and balls no no, no. Musicals no. are out there, I'm sure. I said two favorite. I mean, musicals aren't really a genre. They can be many things. Sci-fi and horror? So, I mean, sci-fi fantasy. Oh, sci-fi fantasy. That explains why you like Warhammer so much. Yes, because one is sci-fi and one is fantasy. So, I don't know. I like that. I like sci-fi. I would love I mean, to see... I I think if I created my own SCP verse, it would probably be a a, a more fantastical SCP verse. Um, I know Sergio said he doesn't like how much fantasy stuff there is, but I feel like an SCP verse that's like truly fantastical, like would be really interesting, like like similar to like like a Tolkien esque foundation. I I mean it's uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how much people would like it, but I well, think that would be really interesting. Well, I mean it it's not that. 
it's not that I have a problem with the, I mean, I, I've, I've done the same thing. I mean, my, the, the main villain of my arc is a sorcerer with mystical books. Um, but I'm, but I'm saying is like more, more of the sci-fi is what so there needs to be like more of a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on this because I wouldn't say I dislike this. I would not say that I disliked reading this. Um, it, it just like, it's, it's a good read. Yeah. It's not one that I would be like, oh, it's a must read, though. It's one of those ones where it's like, oh, that's cool. I can see where they're going with it. I thought it was really good. I don't know I, if I'd say it's a must read either, but I think it's it's worth reading. I think that if this was, like, if you were to pitch me this SCP as, like, a, a, fan, like a sci-fi novel, I would be so down. This sounds like a fantastic uh-huh. sci-fi novel to read. I think that th- I think the issue is that the concept is really cool, but it doesn't really lend itself well to an SCP. I think yeah. that's where I sit with it. That's I'm fair. not saying that's I hate valid. it. Though. I here's my thing for the well, actually, I can just fucking go talk to him. <laughs> but oh no, he's not in the chat right now. Yeah. But uh, my thing to him, if he does read this, because read this, watch this, because I I will let him know that we did this episode. Is I want to see more of the 91 verse um and explore a little bit more into it because i think there's some good hooks in here for more exploration um uh-huh. that you could roll with yeah other than that um i gave it an upvote this is my so far my favorite anthology piece i've only read like three of them um but this is one is my favorite some favorite thus far and uh, I look forward to what else is going to be posted. And maybe somewhere down the road we'll return and re- read another anthology. But I believe uh, next couple episodes we've got some creepy pastas that we want to take a look at. So you guys can look forward yeah. to that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. We love you. I don't. All is well. All is well. All is well. All is well. All is chungus.